Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Anthony, I'm super pumped to talk to you today because I know that you, just like me, um, have really strived to normalize sales. And I'm really excited about talking about this dirty word of sales <laughs> and really unpacking that, right? So guys, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm afraid of, we're just going to break this down. So welcome to the show. I can't wait to dive in. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. I'm super, super excited to be here and, and hang out with you. And it's always, always an honor to learn from my another fellow sales uh, coach, trainer, you know, um, extraordinaire such as yourself. So um, I'm just thrilled to be here and to also learn from you as well. Um, I see all of your stuff on Instagram and, and Facebook, and I just got to say you're doing a great job. And um, I believe that uh, you're if your business isn't already growing and skyrocketing, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's like moving up constantly. Cause I see that you're, you are an action taker. You're not a person that sits on the sideline. You are just like, boom, like action taker, action taker, you know? So super cool. Awesome guys. We're going to have an action packed episode. So buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. So I want you to help us unpack, right? Why do people think sales is a dirty word? Like we're talking about it out in the open right now, but why is this something that so many uh, business owners and sales professionals, uh, why does it make us feel dirty? (laughs) (laughs) I I think because there's just this stigma about the word, the word and salespeople, they're pushy, they're sleazy you know, they're manipulative, you know, you get that really bad, you know, used car salesman, insurance salesman, you know, and it's kind of like unfair, <laughs> because um, that's kind of like the old way of selling, you know, and I, you can't blame the way that people may look at sales today, because there was a, I believe, a time in history where that kind of was the deal where people were sleazy, pushy, you know, just like over the top, you know, trying to manipulate, you know, and it's like, that's like the old way of selling, you know, that's like old school, old school, old school, you know, and uh, it's all about new age selling, you know, new age selling coming from a, a, a different mind space, a different heart space, and coming from a place of authenticity, and genuineness to help your current customers. And also to help uh, your prospects, you know, to to make them customers. I love what you just shared there about like the fact that the kind of out with the old, in with the new, um, and this new age way of of selling in terms of coming from it from a very different perspective and really incorporating uh, the heart space. So, can you share a little bit more? Because I think this is where you know you're a guy. You've been in sales for a long time. 
when did you like when did this shift happen do you think at least for you and, and the way that you coach your clients and the way that you approach things like why do we why are we still stuck in this old view and when did this new way of how you do business when did this come to pass or has this always been the way that you've incorporated things in the way that you you sell did you have to change things that's a great question um and let me kind of kind of dissect it a little bit so so basically it, it comes down to um there's a lot of people that don't know how to sell right and and they just kind of get it's in pieces of what they think selling is and then you actually have some people that have uh, gotten some sales jobs and there really isn't any sales training formal sales training you know at the job you know it's usually you kind of learn as you go but I think with, for me, it's always been my intention to help my customers and to make sure that they were supported because my thought process is, has always been that if I provide a good program service or product for my customers and I help them solve their problems, then they're going to want to do business with me long-term, right? And they're going to give me referrals. And so I believe that's just something that's uh, um, that's always been part of my selling process is to help, to serve, um, not to be an order taker. You know, I'm still uh, a person of sales, but it's just coming from a different heart space. I love that. And I love that you also mentioned that you're not an order taker. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like in in the sales process. But I think it's really important for all of us to really recognize that when we are selling, that if we aren't being helpful, if we're not giving people solutions and we're not guiding them to be able to, to get access to that, that they're not going to be happy after we have sold, right? Like how many of us, and, and you probably have some horror stories that you can share with Anthony, where you have to meet a quota and you sell something and it really wasn't the best thing for the customer or the potential customer. And you have the skills, so you sell and you do it anyways. And yet there's a part of you that feels like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that because you needed to, to um, hit your targets, hit your quotas, make another sale, be able to pay a bill, whatever the case may be, right? And so how do we reconcile? I think sometimes this is where the struggle is between how do you still approach the new age of selling, this new way of being able to really lead with your heart and lead with integrity, but the harsh reality sometimes that we have as business owners, as sales professionals, as people who are trying to do good in the world, where we have some like real barriers. We have to get clients to say yes, we have to pay our bills, we have to make our income goals and our targets in order to keep our doors open. So how do we reconcile those sometimes two opposite things? Well, um, here, here's the, here's the remedy or the solution for that. Okay. If you are, if, if you're a sales professional, an entrepreneur selling a product program or service, and you are not hitting your sales quota, meaning that you're not closing enough deals, automatically what that tells me is that you're not talking to enough people. Mm. So automatically you have to be okay with, there's going to be people that are going to say, no, there's going to be people, people are going to be say, uh, uh, let me think about it. The let me think about it. People, those are the ones you're going to follow up with. The ones that are like, no, and they've given you good reason of what their no is. No means no, move on. It's no big deal. And then there's people that are going to buy from you right on the spot. 
So sales is a numbers game. So therefore, if you're not hitting your quotas, you're not talking to enough people. You should be talking to fresh new people every single day, every single week, every single month. You should have a quota for brand new, fresh people, fresh new faces, fresh new names, consistently going into your database. So those are the people you can go after. So that comes down to the salesman's fault, saleswoman, salesman's fault is, oh my God, I'm not hitting my quota. Okay, well, you need to be talking to more people. You need to start paying attention to your closing ratio. What does that mean? What does a closing ratio mean? That means that, as an example, I'm going to talk to 100 new people a month. Out of those 100 new people, I'm going to get maybe 50, 50 appointments. And out of those 50 appointments, some of them are going to be no-shows. And out of some of those appointments, I'm going to have maybe 25 um, actual presentations. Out of those 25 presentations, maybe I'll close 10 to 12 deals. And that's what a closing ratio is. And that's what everyone should be paying attention to on a monthly basis. What is my closing ratio? Because then your money starts to become predictable because mm -hmm. numbers don't lie. So if I know that my closing ratio is I'm going to close 10 to 12 deals, or if I want to close 10 to 12 deals, I know I need to speak to 100 people a month. And so if people are not recording how many new prospects, if they're not recording um, how many people they actually um, get to make an appointment and then you have to uh, consider the drop off and then amid, uh, uh, amongst that closing ratio, you have to incorporate the follow up. So you're going to be getting your new prospects and out of those new prospects, some of them are going to be right on the spot to make a deal or make an appointment. And then some of them are, you're just going to have to follow up and that's how you have those predictable results. So you don't, so what I want to share is you don't have to ever put yourself in that situation where, oh, I sold something I shouldn't have. That should never be the case. You should never sell anything to anybody that doesn't need it. Um, and that's where that, that new age selling comes in is in order to be a good sales professional, you have to remove yourself from the equation. It's not about you. It's about the customer. And you have to be able to align the problem the customer has with our product and make sure that it's a, it, it meets in the middle for a solution. The other thing is if you take away that preconceived notion of, oh, I don't want to sell them this. I don't want to sell them that. I'm going to seem too pushy. No, remove yourself, remove your ego from that equation. It is our job as salespeople, as good people to share with our customer every single product that we have, because that's good customer service. The more information that you give your prospect, the better decision that they can make. If you're making decisions for them already, you don't even know. It's like, well, I don't know if they're going to buy it. I don't know if they could afford it. I don't know this. And I don't, you're answering your own question. Exactly. You don't know. You're guessing. So do not, do not let your paycheck be held ransom to guessing. Don't let your paycheck be ransom to not knowing your closing ratio. Don't let your paycheck be ransom to not, um, not talking to new people every month. I love what you just said there, Anthony, around don't let your paycheck be held ransom. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, especially, it can be a struggle, right, to, to not have that 
reliable income when you don't yeah. know yeah. whether or not a client is going to say yes. And you're kind of held at mercy to that conversation. Like, please, please just say yes. And it can sometimes make us do things that aren't always congruent to our integrity and our values and, and ultimately to the client. I love what you said around making sure that you know your closing ratio. It is a super important metric. And so guys, hint, you know, we always put in stuff for you to take action. If right now you are not tracking anything in your business, because Anthony just walked you through, like these are the different components that could lead into your closing ratio. You want to look at how many people are saying yes to your products and services right now. And if we back that up all the way to, well, how many people did you actually talk to in the first place in order to get that yes and really isolate that data so that you can make some decisions, like data-based decisions, not based on I'm having a bad day or I have four hours to spend on my business. And so what should I do? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you have some real things that you need to do. I'd love to walk backwards a little bit because I know that you had mentioned, right, that it's really important for folks to make sure they're constantly talking to new people and not just existing contacts in their database and, and nurturing those relationships. How do we balance those off? Because I think sometimes it becomes um, overwhelming to, to stay on top of all of these things. So if you're, you know, we use the number that you had shared, if we have a hundred new people, new conversations, new contacts, what do we do with the people that we already have in place? What, what are some of your recommendations? Because I know that you do a lot of activity around both, but what do we do when we have people who aren't ready yet? They haven't come right out and said, no, not yet, or no, hundred percent. And they haven't said yes either. So they're kind of in that in-between stage of nurturing and maybe at some point in the future, but we also need to make sure that we're constantly talking to new people because that fresh blood is what's going to generate that interest. How do we balance the two? Um, well, I'm going to make it a little bit more unbalanced. I'm going to add sure. uh, another thing <laughs> is asking for referrals. Yes. That needs to be part of, that needs to be part of every sales professional's you know, in their tool belt is fresh new prospects, following up and asking for referrals. There's so much money being left on the table because we are not asking for referrals. If someone buys from you, that means that they like you. They spent money with mm -hmm. you. They spent time with you. Go back to your database and see who could, who is a raving fan and say, Hey, you know what, who could you refer me to? You know, um, but to go back to uh, to kind of go to the the other aspect of the balancing, again, it's it's all paying attention to your sales productivity, your money making activities. So what's a money making activity? It is new prospects, following up, setting up uh, appointments. Those are all money making activities, and that's the way we need to look at it. Instead of dragging our feet and saying, "Oh, I gotta follow up." Or, oh, I got to send an email. I got to leave a voice message. Oh, I got to talk to new people. These are all money-making activities. These are revenue streams. New prospects is a revenue stream. Following up is a revenue stream. Sending an email is a revenue stream. A text message, a phone call. Those are all revenue streams. And a lot of times we're in our head and we think, oh, I don't like doing an email or I don't like doing this. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. 
And what ends up happening is that we're cutting off all of these revenue streams. And we need to embrace every single revenue stream available to us, even utilizing social media, utilizing referrals. Referrals is a revenue stream. So how do we balance that? How do we, how do we record that? So what I had to my students, it's called a follow-up tracker. And people may know the statistic or not. It's not my statistic. 80% of deals are closed on the 12th contact. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean you call them up 12 times in a row and they're like, yeah, I'm ready to buy. That means that you are going to have a sales conversation. And based on that sales conversation, you're going to write down, you're going to put them in a, in a category. Is this a, is this a person I'm going to follow up once a quarter? Or is this a person I'm going to follow up with once a month? Or is this person that's like really on the fence and maybe I got maybe got to follow up with them maybe once a week until you get a different answer. But you have to put your, your follow-ups into different categories. Is this a quarterly? Is this a monthly? Or is this a, you know, once a week to kind of get them to where they need to be? So that's how you do it. You actually put a person's name down. You put the date that you call them. And then you make a little note. And then you, you make a check, check mark up to 12 times. And I can guarantee you there's a lot of people that do not do that. There's a lot of people, even companies and businesses, they do not track their following up. And you have to ask yourself, what is one deal worth to you? What is that dollar amount? And so therefore, I'm going to do my due diligence as a professional and follow up 12 times. And out of all those people I made a note of, I'm going to close 80% of them. So that's how you balance it out. I love it. We talk a lot about the different pieces of, of the process. And I love the fact that you made this really, really doable with some actionable items, right? So for those of you listening, uh, create your own tracker right now where you can go back and look at, even if you just look at the conversations that you had in the last couple of weeks, right? How many of those people that weren't yet ready to buy from you, did you go in and put something on your calendar? I live and die by my schedule. I don't know about you, Anthony, but if it's not on my calendar, it's not going to happen. And so it's wonderful to have this tracker, but I'm going to encourage you to take it one step further and actually put those dates on your calendar so that you can say, okay, I need to follow up with Anthony uh, once a month based on the conversation that we just had. Something could change or I need to stay top of mind. I want to make sure that I am um, keeping that relationship kind of hot right? So that they don't forget about me. And so I'm going to plug that directly into my calendar so that I don't even have to think about it. I know, hey, Anthony's uh, next touch point is coming up. Let me refer back to my notes. Let me see what we just talked about. Let me see what's happening for them as a company or a business or even just a person and to be able to really utilize that. I love using uh, Google Alerts as well. I don't know if you use that, Anthony, where um, you can plug in people's names, businesses, and it will alert you if something happened for that particular person so that you can at least have something to talk about or send out something in between those diary scheduled items so that you can go, hey, I just love the fact that you just released a brand new book. Uh, congratulations. And then you can send out a quick note of thanks or something that will, again, it won't be so boring, right? Because I think this is where people sometimes struggle around 
how do you follow up 12 times without saying the same thing over and over again? Do you have any, um, anything to help us with that? Because I, I love this whole idea of doing follow-up and having a very set timeline, right? 12 follow-up touch points that we're tracking and that we're actually documenting. Yes, we've done it. Added layer of putting that on our, our, on our calendar. But what, what do we actually talk about? <laughs> do you have some... <laughs> Um, yes, I do. Ways for yeah, people to be able to actually unpack what does that follow up look like? Because my pet peeve is I'm just checking in. Ah, I hate that. Like, don't just check in. I think you should be adding value every single time that you talk to somebody. Um, what are your thoughts, and and how would you want us to do our follow up? Um, well, there, there's one thing that I that I've kind of coined the phrase it's uh, create mental market share okay wow. and that's creating mental market share is sounds exactly what it means it's it sounds exactly how it sounds which is mental market share mental occupying space in my mind right so how do you yeah. do that you create touch points so that's why a follow-up tracker whether you write it or whether you do it digitally it doesn't matter but you want to create mental market share in a person's mind so they become familiar with you, you build rapport. And then they're going to ask your, eventually they'll ask themselves, why am I not doing business with Anthony Camacho? You know, he's, I see him, he's a nice guy. He follows up, you know, light touch points. So let's talk about what those touch points could mean. There are so many non-aggressive touch points that mm. we all could utilize that I utilize and that I teach. So basically Monday, Right. If you want to send an email or text message or a voice, hey Susan, how you doing? This is Anthony Camacho. Um, I just want to let you know I haven't forgot about you. I just want to wish you a happy work week. Okay. Simple, happy work week. And then whatever you talked about, whatever you if you want to just drop that in there, you know. Um, Friday. Hey, how you doing, Susan? This is Anthony Camacho. Um, it's Friday. I just wanted to wish you and your family a, a happy weekend, right? So you have that. Then you have, um, this is amazing. Um, every single month, there's a holiday, right? So in the United States, there's Thanksgiving coming up, right? Yeah. So you can touch base and follow up with everybody. Hey, hey, Anthony Camacho just wanted to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. That's it. You, it, it, um, so these are kind of like the different touch points that you're going to be mixing in. They already know why you're calling them. They already know which you had to talk about if you had that sales conversation, you know, and then they're just, you're just following up. So every single month, there's an opportunity to wish someone, you know, a holiday greeting. So next, next month is Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. Um, and then we have new year's happy new year. Then in January, then we have um, happy Valentine's day. So every single month, there's an opportunity to create that mental market share, to create that touch point, where it's not aggressive. How can you be mad at any, how can anyone get mad at you when you're just saying, hey, I just wanted to wish you, your family and your business a very happy new year and a, and a blessed 2021. Exactly. You know? so there's all these different touch points you can make non-aggressive, but just you're, you're being top of mind, right? And there's, mm -hmm. there's uh, it, it's just a nice subtle way to say hello and, and hey, we're, we're thinking about you if you need anything. So that goes into the category of um, if you need to touch base with somebody 
you know, once a week, you use the beginning of the week or the end of the week to wish them a happy week or happy weekend. If it is monthly, you can always touch tag in with the holiday. And then mm -hmm. if they're quarterly follow-ups, then you can utilize whatever holiday is going to fall at the end of the quarter or mid quarter or beginning of the quarter. So it's completely up to you. I love this. And I love the fact that because I've, I've done this extensively and you'd be surprised how easy it is because I think sometimes we forget that if there's a real life human being doing the same things that we're doing outside of the regular working environment. And it allows us an opportunity to come in as that trusted advisor, uh, which is my preferred role when I'm, I'm helping clients is to really become a trusted advisor as opposed to a, a salesperson. Cause I think, you know, we all, we all kind of get our backup still. We, we started with our, this dirty word of sales, but the truth of the matter is that we're out to change the world and how they perceive sales, Correct. but there's still that connotation, right? Like we don't want to be sold. We don't want to have people sell to us. We want to have a relationship. We want to buy the things that are going to move our life or our business forward in a way that really does truly meet our needs. And I love the fact that this is, it's non-aggressive, like you said, but it's also, it's so easy. Like anywhere in the world, because we are international, we have lots of listeners across the globe, but I'm going to challenge you because hello, who doesn't see international holidays anymore on this thing, right on our phones. And there is just about a holiday almost every single month around the world or every other month, right? So there's still something that's seasonally happening in your neck of the woods. I would challenge you to not be able to implement this and to grow your business and to move those relationships forward such that even though I know for me, when I've implemented this, you may not actually get the business from the person that you're connecting to, but man, just like what you had shared earlier, Anthony, around asking for those referrals, when you double team that together and you're not afraid about asking for referrals, even from people who haven't uh, worked with you yet, but you've stayed top of mind for them. And you have, as you shared with this mental market share, which I love this idea, then you get to the point where you become that go-to expert for them and they will send other people to you simply because you've been the most present. You've just taken the time to really be a real life human being who genuinely cares and is, is just nice and considerate, right? I think sometimes we try to make things overcomplicated. And if we just go back to the basics of what it means to be a human that wants to break bread with somebody and see eye to eye across the table, we kind of forget that too, right? Yeah. And I think the other thing is uh, people shy away from asking for referrals because they don't know how to ask. Well, what do I say? You know, what do I do? Like, so, and that happens a lot in sales. You know, how do I ask for the business? How do I get them to sign here? You know, so yeah. what I like to, what I've trained with, with my students is I, I call it the 531 referral. So basically, when you ask anybody, you know, you got to think about you're dealing with the human brain, right? And whatever you say is going to go into that person's brain. So if I asked you, Susan, you know, do you have, you know, anybody, is, is, do, you, do you know anyone that may want to benefit from the services that I provide? You just heard about all the different services that I provide. And, you know, I, I want to do a good job for as many people as possible. And do you know? anyone 
that could utilize my service, right? So what did they hear? Do you, do you know anyone? They just heard one, one. And automatically the brain's gonna think about one and one. then zero. It's gonna go, mm, that one person no. they're gonna narrow it down to, mm, no, not really. So yeah. you wanna institute in their brain immediately when you're asking for a referral up front, Susan, do you know five people that might benefit from the products, programs, or services that I just shared with you, or the products, programs, and services that you've been utilizing? Do you know anyone that would want to have the same type of success that you've had, Susan, utilizing my products, program, or services? Do you have five people? And you might you might think about five people. And then they might say, you may say, mm, uh, no. How about three, Susan? Is there three people that you might know that may want to be benefited from what, you know, the solutions that you've had with my company? And then let them, let them think. And then at the very end, how about one? You got one person and then they should have at least one. But here's the thing. If you don't ask, you don't get. That's, that's number one. So here's the thing. When you ask one person, you may have a person that's going to give you all five. Yes. You may have a person that's just going to give you three. At the very worst case scenario, someone may give you one. So you can grow your database substantially with warm leads costing you zero dollars, absolutely zero, by just going back to your existing database, wishing them a happy holiday, a season's greeting for whatever type of whatever time of the year, whatever part of the country. Hey, you know what? I was just going through my database right now and I just wanted to see how you were doing, how's everything. And um, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm having some new products that I'm launching. This is the new products that I have. I'd love to share them with you if, if you're okay with that. However, again, thank you so much for buying from me in the past season. Do you have five people that you know? Then do you have three? Do you have one? And that's something that needs to be incorporated into your 2020 business. You can even start doing it now, you know, close the year if you wanted to. Um, I love it. Do, well, do a little practice session. Well, and who can't use more business, right? I mean, it's been a heck of a year. And really, this is a practice um, that I think everybody should be focusing on. Because again, it's simple. It's so simple. And if you have one person, I will tell you that when I grew a franchise location to 15 million, this was a primary strategy. And it was exactly that because for every single client that we signed and every partner that we signed in, in terms of them saying, yes, we want to collaborate. We want to help each other. It was okay, great. So you're going to be sending me a minimum of three referrals and we would have set targets, but really being able to talk specifically about um, turning one, one client into three. And I love the right. fact that you also increasing that and saying, what about five, right? Why don't we start with five and then yeah. going three and then one? Yep. So at the end of the day, what a huge range. But it, here's the thing. You did that work, right? Because I know some of you, you're listening right now and you're shaking your head because you're like, man, okay, you just, you give me this and this. I have to do 12. I have to do this. I have, I have all these holidays. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's like, just breathe. Because if you have people that you have already been talking to, you already have a network of folks who you've already built that mental market share, 
They already know they like you. They trust you. You may not even have to do any business with them. That's what I love about this practice is that the fact of the matter is if they have a relationship with you and you've been able to impact their life in some way, if they've gotten results, even better, but really and truly this works across the board for any person that you have spoken to that you can go back and say, Hey, I I'm really trying to ramp up my business, my practice, fill my uh, program. Do you know five people? And then you go, okay, do you know three people? Okay, do you have one person? And I don't know of any business owner right now that wouldn't get more results just by doing this one thing, right? Like how powerful is that? I I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think (laughs) it helps also hear what that sounds like because I know that a lot of times we stumble over making it awkward and making it bigger than it needs to be and I love the fact that you just ask very specifically but it also means that we have to do the work in again stepping in and being that trusted advisor and really educating our clients and letting them know about what we do and how we do it so we have to be able to essentially coach them right in this referral process I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about you know how do we translate these referrals um, and more business because I think sometimes we take for granted I know a lot of clients come to me because they have said oh I, I got a referral and it didn't close it's like just because somebody gives you a referral doesn't mean that it's a cakewalk you still you still have to do the due diligence to move them through your process. And I know that you have a very specific way that you teach people on how to close. And I use air quotes for that because, you know, really we, we want to help people make a decision. We want to get people to say yes to themselves if it's the right call for them, but ultimately to close them into the next step. And it could be no, that's totally okay. But how do we encourage people to to do that? Can you walk us through a little bit of what your coach to close process looks like and why it's so impactful for folks that actually will uh, implement it? Right, right. So um, another thing that I coined, another uh, coined (laughs) phrase is the coach to close. Now, what does that mean? If you look at today, there's a lot of people out there that are coaches, right? But what does a coach do? A coach is a, is a person in your life that helps you make good decisions. A coach um, encourages you. A coach looks out for your best interest. So part of my new age selling is I coach to close. So everyone, you take your salesman hat off, the dirty word of being a salesman, ah, sleazy, greasy, you know, sales guy, right? And put, put your coaching hat on and what does that mean? It's like, you can actually take a breath. (sighs) I don't have to be the stigma of whatever you think a bad salesperson is. No, put your coaching hat on. And so again, a coach is a person that empowers, a coach is a person that encourages and helps whoever they're coaching make a good decision. And if you've ever been a coach, if you've ever been on a coaching call, the coach never makes the decision for the person. In fact, well, that's what a good coach does. A a good coach isn't there to tell you what to do. A good coach is a person that lays down all the evidence and based upon all that evidence and grabbing all that information, then that person who's getting the coaching can make a good, solid, congruent decision. 
And so that's what a sales professional is supposed to be doing. When you're presenting your product, your program, or your service, you need to put your coaching hat on and see how you can get, uh, gather all the information and line up the product, program, or service, whatever you're selling. So the coach to close, right? That's what I call it. So the first step is identify what is their current situation? Where are they currently at with their business or with their problem? The second thing to identify is where do they want to be? What is the desirables? Where do they want to be in comparison to their current situation? Then the third thing is what is it that is holding them back? What person, place, or thing is holding them back from their desired situation. So as a coach, you want to understand, okay, this is where they're at. This is where they want to be. And this is in the middle that's keeping them from getting to that point. In order for you to have a greater understanding to help them, you need to be able to go through this process. Then the fourth thing you want to ask them, if you had your desirable situation, your problem solved, what reward would that be? What would that look like to you? So the fourth thing, again, what's the reward for them to attain what they're looking for? They may tell you, I may be get uh, peace of mind, save money, make money, et cetera. Quicker, faster, easier. Identify those things. It's also important in that coach to close process to get them to admit how their life is going to be better easier for themselves, for their employees, for their family, because it's powerful. That's when the, the self-close comes in is because now they're acknowledging if I had my desirable situation, because my current situation isn't where I want to be. I want to go to my desired situation. Then that's where the magic happens because they're admitting it to you. They're speaking it. You're hearing it. They're hearing it. And that now becomes a reality by speaking it into existence. Once you've gathered that information, the fifth step is to align what you offer, whatever it is, your product, program, or service. You then align it with the solution, the current situation. Then after that, you let them ask you, you let them ask you, how do I work with you and how much does it cost? So in that coach to close situation, in my coach to close process, if they ask, well, how much does it cost? I have costs. I have many different costs, many different products, programs, services that I can offer you. I said, but until I take you through this coach to close, I don't tell them it's a coach to close, by the way. But until I take you, um, I'm telling you in the audience, until I take them through the coach to close, never mention price point, not once. You know why? Because then they turn it just into a price buyer and you don't want to deal with the price buyer. You don't want them to buy on price. You want them to buy on their need. You want them to buy on their solution. You want them to buy their solution. And if you can show that to a person and mirror that to a person, they will pay money for that. You can't put a price on what a person wants. And let me prove that to you. A lot of people buy things that they can't afford. A lot of people have credit card debt. Why? Why do people have credit card debt? because they buy things that they want, right? Even when they don't have the money, they still buy it anyways. 
Now, I'm not encouraging for you to sell things that people don't need. I'm just trying to make a point that when you sell to a person's need and want and solution, then that's how you're going to close the deal or have a greater percentage of closing that deal. So then at the end, you let them, you, you basically share with them what product is going to so, uh, solve their problem. Then you're going to, then they're, you let them ask you, well, how much does it cost? How do you deliver it? Well, I deliver it at this price point. I have different options for you to pay to, you know, you can do a two payment, three payment, one payment, whatever, you know, however you run your business. And then you let them know how it's how it how the deliverables are over X amount of time, um, and that could be how I mean it doesn't matter what type of business that you're in. You know what type of business that you're in, and you can figure out you know, it. But it's so important how you share the deliverables. But that's the coach to close, and you and in the coach to close, you take off that that salesman hat, and I don't want you to be concerned with I got to close the deal. I got to close the deal. It's not even about you. It's not about you. It's about them. And once you start making your sales about the other person, about your customers, you will be pleasantly surprised how many more deals that you're going to close because you removed yourself from the equation and now you're a coach. I love that. Well, and it's very similar to um, my five C's to close. It's it's funny, right? The, the whole coaching model, but I think it's really important for all of us to really understand that for me and what you just described uh, also is very similar in terms of there needs to be a gap. I always say you need to sell in the gap because if there is no gap, if there's no difference between where they are and where they want to be, that's going to happen. <laughs> right? Like if they're saying, Oh, my life is beautiful. My business is beautiful. I already have everything that I want and everything that I need. Great. Like you just had a wonderful conversation, but it's not going to end up with, them being a client, because again, just like what you had shared earlier, Anthony, you would never sell anything to anybody that doesn't need it. So to your point about, you know, it, cause I think sometimes people get a little bit squirrely about, you know, avoiding that, that price conversation. And I love the fact that what you had shared very similar to what I teach my clients is that you're not bypassing it. You're just saying, I can't, honestly tell you what the price point is because you probably do have multiple things that you can offer and until you've done your due diligence in really understanding what is it that you're looking for where is it that you are right now and where do you want to go and why is that so important you can't you can't give them a recommendation you can't say okay out of all of the stuff on the table here here's the thing that I'm going to recommend for you here's what it all entails and here is the investment for that particular product, program, or service. So you're not going to sit there and give people like a huge buffet of like 10 different things. Again, your role as the coach is to say, based on this information, here's what I think is going to be the best suited. Maybe you give them a couple of options, but we don't want to get into analysis paralysis with somebody who's just overwhelmed because you've kind of thrown the whole kitchen sink at them. And as a result, you are being in integrity because you're doing the best thing for that person, I believe, and based on what you shared, that it really takes them through that journey of digging in deeper so that at the end of the day, you can help them in the best possible way. And you're giving them 
not only what they want, but also delivering what they need because you've taken the time to really listen. And as you shared, right, we've taken off that kind of old salesperson hat and really thought about how do I want to connect with this person coming from that heart space? How does this um, connect with that mental model and the mental space that that I'm I'm also approaching it with, with uh, our mental market share? Is this congruent with how I've been showing up with my follow-up? And so I love the fact that your process, your coach to close is so specific and that it helps people to really think about their role in the conversation and that they don't have to feel sleazy or misguided or like they're having to manhandle the conversation in order to get the close. And essentially they're going to see more closes because they really are um, coming from that space of being just a genuine person of integrity. Yeah. And the the beauty about what I just shared the coach to close, um, I highly encourage that you take the time that when you're engaging with the customer, whether it be over the phone, whether it be on a Zoom call, whether it be in person, is to have a notepad, have a pen, and actually write down every one of those things. Now, if they're on, if you're on the phone, they can't see you. Maybe you don't have to mention it. But I like to tell my customers or prospects, say, you know what? I want to make sure I get this right. I want to make sure that I'm not going to miss anything. So, is it okay? If I write it down, because I want to make sure I understand perfectly. And when you come from that angle, then then you're showing you're you're showing the person that you care. You want to make sure you get it right, as opposed to like listening, listening, listening. Okay, where where's the objection? I'm, I'm looking for the objection. You know, <laughs> where's the barrier? You know, it's like no, no, no. Take the time to do it right. You know, and um, quality. Uh, having a quality sales conversation is going to have a greater closing ratio for you than as opposed to like just running through the mill, running through the mill, running through the mill, you know, take the time and let the customer know, you know, it's important for them to voice to you what the reward is, what, how it's going to make their life easier, how maybe a thing's going to be done quicker, faster, easier for them, um, save them money, make them money. These are all things, less stress. Maybe it's just personal gratification. Maybe it could be pride or whatever. Those are all the little hot spots that you want to engage with, with your customer or your prospect. So you're not just trying to close. You're actually taking some time and being a coach. I love that. Super important. This has been such a jam-packed episode. I have loved every single minute of it. And I hope you have too. We've given you so much stuff. Go back and re-listen to it. Anthony, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for all of the information and really specific things that you've been able to help us with today. Um, Where can folks find you and connect with you and find out a little bit more about (laughs) how you work with them? Because I know we have lots of people who are probably chomping at the bit here wondering, how do I figure out how I can either work with you or find out more about how you can help me? Um, well, um, I know that you're going to be posting my uh, social media links, my YouTube links uh, down in uh, below. So I, I appreciate that. Um, but I wanted to share with people that if they wanted to get like a little bit more content from me, you can um, actually go on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, you type in Anthony Camacho into the search and you'll see my published book, my recently uh, sixth sixth published book, international bestseller. It's uh, right here on cold calling. 
And um, this one made uh, international bestseller. It's my second international bestseller. So I'm super excited. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. So what I'm offering your audience today is that if you go to Amazon and you purchase the book, you type in Anthony Camacho, you leave an Amazon review, obviously read it, please. <laughs> I will give you a 30-minute sales performance coaching session with me. Then you're going to be able to take anything from the book that you like, and I'm going to give you a strategy session, how to implement it into your business real time. If you're on this call today and you left a review on Amazon, any of the content that was discussed today on this Zoom meeting, we can talk about that as well. Um, just shoot me an email, hitman at camachocoaching.com, and let me know that, hey, Anthony, read the book left a review, let's book a, a 30 minute sales performance coaching session. And um, that's how we can uh, hang out. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for that offer, for that opportunity to really have you deep dive into our business, our sales opportunities. Guys, grab the book. It is amazing because I know that aside from selling in general, cold calling is an area where people just <laughs> want to turn and run and hide. And we've given you so many different strategies that will help you right now in your business. Anthony, I can't thank you enough for today. It's been a pleasure. Guys, grab the links. They'll be down in the show notes below and make sure that you follow Anthony across all social media channels. We're so excited to have you here today and we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Susan. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.